Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Awaken your senses with a curiously refreshing Hendrix Cucumber Lemonade. Curious how? Cue the aroma. Marvelous. Cue the taste. Magnificent. Cue the cucumber. That's the refreshing secret. Hendrix is uncommonly crafted with cucumbers, roses, artistry, and imagination. Other gins are ordinary, but Hendrix is refreshingly curious. Discover Hendrix Gin cocktail recipes at HendrixGin.com. Please drink the unusual responsibly. Hendrix Gin, 44% alcohol by volume. Bottled and imported by William Grant & Sons, New York, New York. Copyright 2024. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Oliver Condit, the editor of BBC Music Magazine, and welcome to the BBC Music Podcast. You can buy a copy of the magazine at your local newsagents or download our app to your iPad, Kindle Fire or Android tablet. And for the latest music news and more, head to our website at classical-music.com. Today we're in the studio for another First Listen, our monthly podcast where members of the magazine team discuss an important new release. With me today in the BBC Music Studio is Jeremy Pound, the Deputy Editor, and Rebecca Franks, our Reviews Editor. Hello. Hello. And today's disc is a Naxos recording of Bernstein's Symphony No. 3, The Kaddish, along with his Missa Brevis and his music for The Lark, uh, performed by a variety of artists, including the Washington Chorus, the Sao Paulo Symphony Choir, and the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra under Marin Alsop. So is this recording a vision of American heaven, or is it a little bit hellish? Let's listen to the opening of The Kaddish Symphony uh, to start us off. So that was the opening to Bernstein's Kaddish Symphony. Rebecca, this is really not a regular symphony, is it? It's more sort of theatre, oratorio, um, narrator with a bit of music. I mean, for me, I found the music at the beginning quite alluring and quite arresting, and yet this narration um, sort of seems to sort of spill over the top. How, how does it work for you? Well, I mean, Bernstein, it's his third symphony. Um, it's a great, ambitious, sort of imaginative idea 
I ultimately feel that it does fall short. So it really needs everything in the performance to be just right to kind of really make it work. Um, so as you say, it's the setting of uh, the Jewish prayer that the Kaddish, um, which means sanctification, um, and you get the three settings of that. All the way through the All symphony. the three, and, and with a narrator linking everything. Um, so there are so many different elements here that, it, as I say, it really has to kind of everything has to fall into place. And the narrator is effectively, isn't it? It's the, it's the thoughts of someone who is about to pray and it's his thoughts almost in between prayers and this kind of where he goes kind of off track a little bit and then he returns to the business yeah, of praying. Yeah, in that extract, we've just heard them saying, I want to pray and that's sort of setting up the scene essentially for what we're going to have next. I, I, I do feel, though, that the text, I mean, uh, this isn't um, Bernstein's greatest work. I think the music is... I, I, I like the music. I like the music. I think it's lyrical. I think it's got a lot of um, wonderful influences at Copeland and you can hear some Corigliano and a little bit of howls, I think we were mentioning earlier in there. But I feel that the text really lets it down. I, I feel it, it just contains so many banalities. And, and I feel that it's it's a man, obviously, um, or a woman, actually, in this case, Bernstein did stipulate it should be a, a woman narrating, um, questioning their faith um, and, and, and going on this long journey. I just feel it's a bit of a rambling journey. Well, the text had a bit of a, a tortured history anyway, um, Apparently that he'd originally tried to get um, Robert Lowell, Mrs. Bernstein had originally tried to get Robert Lowell to write text for him and then um, poet Frederick Seidel, neither of which actually came to light, so he, he did it himself. And I think, as you suggest, what we see here is that... Um, Bernstein was was no great word setter or no great no great poet. And I don't think he was actually convinced by the text either himself. And he actually this is as you say this original version. And he later um, had had a different text set, um, which was um, a sort of a testament by a Holocaust survivor. And it was stipulated that the, this man who wrote this text had to perform it himself, and that has been done until quite recently. It was performed in Edinburgh last year, but since then he's he's died. So I, I don't know what the situation is now with him being able to perform a different version of it. Yes, I do. I do feel the libretto is, is very long. Um, but I do find, though, that when Bernstein concentrates on setting words to music, he's actually supremely good at it. Um, and I think in the next extract we hear, which is the, the soprano solo, I feel he really does um, set it beautifully, um, which I think we should, we should hear now. So that was uh, an extract from uh, track 10, Kaddish 2 from Bernstein's Kaddish Symphony, performed beautifully here by Kelly Nassif, the soprano on this recording, um, followed again by more speaker, more more recitation. Jeremy, you've got something to say about that, I think. 
Yes, one thing you really have to bear in mind with this with this work is that um, we've actually played extracts of the music, but the whole thing is very, very dominated by the speaker. It's not a case of short moments of monologue followed by a lot of music. It's actually, the speaker is the, the core role in the whole thing. And I think they've miscast the speaker on this recording. I, you can ju- this work would work quite well if you had a speaker in the Bernstein mould who actually wrote the words. And he was kind of had that sort of grizzled voice. You can imagine this, he had this, the words are very sarcastic, they're very ironic. Um, he had that sort of sassy personality almost. You can imagine him sitting there almost grumbling with a cigarette hanging out the side of his mouth. Whereas um, Claire Bloom, who, who does the role here, kind of almost presents it like a Shakespearean monologue at times. It just doesn't work. Um, and, I mean, that's a matter of interpretation, but unforgivably, um, she also is inconsistent in her delivery of the text. Occasionally, she brings a little bit of an American inflection into her accent, and you think... Does she want to go with her own voice or is she trying to be something else? And it's, it just doesn't work for me at all, I'm afraid. I agree. And, and funny because this piece is actually, I mean, I know it's on a huge sort of big scale and it's theatrical and, you know, all of that. But it's actually very personal in a way. You feel that this is a very personal expression and questioning of faith. And so I agree the narrator needs to be able to actually be able to commu- communicate that. To you can almost imagine Bernstein sitting there on a late night with a cigarette and a whiskey bottle yeah. and churning out his thoughts. And that impression just doesn't come across in this recording. Mm. Yeah. I'm also on this disc, I think we should also mention the Missa Brevis and the Lark. Uh, the reason I mentioned them in, in uh, Two Breaths is because the music from the Lark was used for the Missa Brevis. So, in fact, we have almost two versions of the same piece in one recording, which, you know, um, of course, it's separated by the Kaddish. But do we want two pieces on the same disc that is effectively the same music? On the other hand, I thought the Missa Brevis was the most successful. I think it is actually a very fine piece. I think it works well. I think he, he writes clearly, writes well for chorus and clearly has been influenced by the by the English tradition. And I think the performance here, but I think it was the Sao Paulo Symphony Choir, I believe, that's singing the, the Missa Brevis. And they did a much finer job, I hasten to say, than the, than the uh, Washington Chorus, which I think perhaps it, the way it was positioned in the in the Kaddish Symphony, it sounded quite far back, but they didn't sound quite up to necessarily that you know the, the crispness of it and the the sort of um you know the, the liveliness that it needed i still um, don't feel it's a great performance i still don't feel that th- this is choral singing that we have come to expect i think i don't think it is it, the kind of choral singing that we should get on this sort of recording in, i don't think it's up to scratch in the missa brevis oh in the missa brevis i yes i agree and i also i'm afraid to say that i find the the counter the counter tenor soloist paolo mestre a little bit reedy in the missa brevis i mean well. if you compare it to polyphony's recent recording of this of the same piece in their uh, their disc of american um works that was our recording of the month a few months back I mean, that's it's very much. They're very much on a really different level. Compare really. We need to hear a, an extract from this. We'll hear the Benedictus from the Missa Brevis.
So that was an extract from the Benedictus of Leonard Bernstein's um, actually very, very good Missa Brevis. Yes, I think it's a work that, as you say, if you know the English choral tradition, you'll probably quite enjoy. That that particular passage there, I thought, reminded me a little bit of um, of Britain's Missa Brevis, uh, actually in Britain in general. And also the the antiphonal way he uses the soloist and then the chorus actually reminds me a little bit of the Benedictus in Vaughan Williams's Mass and G. So if you know your British choral music, you'll actually probably get quite a lot out of this. And it's a as I say, it's a short work, hence Mr. Brevis, and it's, I've enjoyed it. And it's an OK performance. I think, you know, you get a flavour of the piece, and I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's fine, it's passable, it's workable, work-a-day kind of performance. I think we need some scores, though. Jeremy, out of ten, this Bernstein recording. OK, this disc was partly salvaged by the Mr. Brevis, which I did enjoy. However, I thought the Kaddish was simply, simply awful. And as a result, as that is the main work on the disc, I am going to give it five out of ten. Five out of ten, Rebecca. I would like to give this six out of ten. Uh, as, as discussed, I had quite a few reservations about about the, the narrator and, and the chorus. Um, I think the orchestra um, does, a, does a fine job, and Marin also does a, a very good job of sort of keeping it all together. But ultimately, it wasn't desperately exciting. <laughs> I'm going to give it six as well. Um, do you know, I, I I did enjoy moments of the Kaddish. Um, I thought the narrator was. I just didn't enjoy that. But I, I, once you sort of get past the narrator and you hear beyond that to some of the orchestrations and the sounds, I thought it was a fascinating recording. Um, I think it was performed quite well. I think the Messer Brevis was interesting. Um, so I think it, yeah, I, I, I think a six for me as well, which gives us an average of five and two thirds, according to Jeremy's quick mathematics. Um, <laughs> So that brings us to the end of this uh, episode of First Listen. Join us next month when we'll be discussing another important new release. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this BBC Music Magazine podcast, which was produced in our Bristol studio by Jack Fletcher. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at classical-music.com or simply head to iTunes.